0: Well, hello and welcome! Man, it is so good to worship together. Good morning and welcome to those of you watching online at Crossroads Live or on Facebook or on YouTube or wherever it is that you are tuning in. Uh, My name is Chris, one of the pastors here, and this morning we are wrapping up a four-week series called Double Yellow Line that we have been going through where we are looking at boundaries, Uh, And so this morning we're going to wrap that up. And about 40 years ago, my parents bought a a 1953 uh, Chevy. Pickup. Here it is. Here's a picture of it with my dog, um, and uh, it's a it's a inline six, three on the tree. For those of you who like cars, it's still original. Here's my pretty mom, who's actually pregnant with me at the moment, uh, with the back of the truck there in the picture. Uh, and so it's been a fun thing, a part of my family uh, to have this truck. and And a few years ago, I was driving it home, and and I was ready to turn through an intersection and I got the green light, and so I pull out into the intersection, and sure enough, I ran out of gas. You see on on these old trucks, the gas gauge wobbles like this, depending on what bumps you go over. Uh, and so you never quite know how much gas you have. And so there's always a gas can in the back, just in case this happens. And so I hop out. I'm a little frantic, right? Because this is there's traffic, and there's I got a green light, and there's cars waiting. And so I just hop out, run around, pull out the gas can, fill it up, choke it as hard as I can, start it back up, and then off we go. But there I was in the middle of the intersection, just totally out of gas. Have you ever been there? Maybe not in your car, but but right now, emotionally, have you been there? Maybe maybe you're there right now, where, where, where you're tired, where, where life normally is hard to keep up with the pace, but but through this season of pandemic and everything that's going on in our world right now, you are there just completely out of gas. You're tired, you're drained, you're exhausted, and you're not quite sure how to move forward. You see, over the course of this series in boundaries, we've been looking at all of these different boundaries around us. We, we, we notice that there's physical boundaries, like property lines. Uh, we notice that there's emotional, that there's relational boundaries. And in fact, there's, there's boundaries all around us. We, we operate within healthy boundaries every day. Thousands, I would say, of boundaries that we operate in every day. And normally we don't notice them until what happens? They get broken. It's like when you pull into the Walmart parking lot, you'll drive by 150 cars that are parked correctly. But what happens when you come by the one car that takes up two or three spots, right? It's like, you broke a boundary. Like, why can't you park correctly? And and I know none of you do this where you take some carts and put them around their car. None of you have ever done that because that would not be nice. But we don't notice boundaries until they are broken. And so you might be wondering, how in the world does, does self-care have to do with boundaries? And, and here's, here's the thing, is that when we talk about self-care, when we talk about feeling depleted and exhausted, what that is, is a culmination of some sort of broken boundaries along the way. That's That's, that's typically what It is. When when we are feeling completely drained, completely exhausted, that that there's seasons that we go through that are harder than others, but but more often than not, when we are feeling burned out, it's a culmination of broken boundaries. And and this year, like I said, has been hard, hasn't it? I mean, none of us expected this, and and, and it's been really, really difficult. But, but, But here's the thing is, with the prolonged ambiguity, with remote learning... With wearing masks everywhere, the, the the frustrations, the the busyness, the worry and anxiety, it's all sort of catching up to us, isn't it? But there's a blessing there. There's a blessing there that maybe we don't see often, and that blessing is that this season has exposed some cracks. It's exposed some cracks in our character. It's exposed some, some cracks in our temptations, the, the, maybe the things that we've thought were under the surface, the things that we thought were dealt with have slowly been creeping back out. It's exposed some frustrations in our relationships, in our marriages, in our families, hasn't it? And, and for this season specifically, when it comes to self-care, it's when life gets crazy that self-care goes out the door, isn't it? I mean, that's true for me, that's true for all of us. When life gets crazy, the first thing to go is self-care. Why? It's simple. It's because we don't have time. Uh, what do you mean s- s- take time to, to go and have some quiet time? Or what do you mean take time to, to go for a nice walk with my spouse? Or what do you mean take time to, to really take care of myself and to, to read this book or to, to spend time with Jesus? What do you mean? Like I don't have any time. My day is busy from when I wake up until when I go to bed and I am exhausted every day. What in the world am I supposed to do when it comes to self-care? And so, so we let it go, don't we? And maybe if I were to ask you, what was the last thing you did to intentionally care for your own soul? What was that? Maybe for some of us, we don't even know how to answer that question. And so today uh, we're going to do three things. We're going to look at the scripture, we're going to look at God's word, and we're going to see what Jesus has to say about self-care. We're not going to look at all of it. In fact, there's a lot that he has to say, but not only things that he has to say, but the way that Jesus lived teaches us a lot about self-care. We're going to look at one thing that he said. Then the second thing we're going to do is we're going to look at the common ways that we break the boundaries of self-care. And then finally, we're going to get real, real practical we're going to get real practical and say, what does this look like? What is something that you can do today in order to, to, to promote healthy boundaries around self-care in your own life? And so before we look at Matthew chapter 11, if you'd like to open there, you can. We're going to go ahead and pray because let's face it, we need God's help, don't we? This is more than just you doing it on your own. This is way more than just self-absorption or going and getting a massage or any of those things. This is, this is some deep soul work that we're wanting God to do in us. And so let's go to him in prayer. Father, we come to you today and we thank you. Thank you for this time that we can stop everything else and we can turn to you and we can hear from you where we can celebrate with the body what you have done. And Father, for many of us today, we're hurting, we're tired, we're depleted, we're completely drained emotionally and physically, and maybe even spiritually. And there we are in the middle of the intersection with horns honking, and and we have nowhere to go. So Father, my prayer today is that as we look at self-care, one that you would that you would breathe life into our weary souls. God, that for many of us who are listening, that, that even our time together right now would, would be refreshing, not because of what I have to say, not because of the songs we sing, but because we have an interaction with you, the King of Kings. So God, would you meet us here today, wherever we're at, would you, would you meet us Lord, and as you gently draw us in and invite us into to new rhythms, into new ways of life, God, that we would respond to that. We thank you for it, and it's in your good name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says this. Come to me, all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden... And I will give you rest. And so I'm going to stop right here for just a quick second. Come to me, all who are really good at self-care. Come to me, all who are thriving in life right now. Come to me, all you who don't have any issues going on in your families. You don't have any problems. You're not drained. You're not exhausted. You're not stuck. Come to me, all who have it all together. No, no, no. Come to me, all who labor and are burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. This word learn is the same word that we get the word disciple from. Take my yoke upon you and be my disciple. Follow me. Do what I do. Learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And then here it is. And then you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Man, what an incredible invitation, isn't that? Like, I want that. Don't, don't you? I mean, I want... I want this kind of rest. I want this kind of healing for my soul. But, but if we're honest, we look at this, and, and if we know what a yoke is, he says, take my yoke upon you. What does that mean? A yoke, is, as you might know, is, is this big wooden like collar that you would put on, on draft animals, whether that's an ox or your donkeys or your horses or whatever. You, 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 you pair them together. You, you put on a burden so that they can pull your plow through the field. And and if we're honest, we look at this and we go, okay, that sounds nice, Jesus, the whole rest and stuff for my soul. But but you want me to do what? I don't have time to take on a, a, your yoke. My yoke is full. I have a lot of things going on already. I can't imagine taking on this. Sounds like more work. What is it you're asking me to do? Like, are you asking me to rest or are you asking me to work? Because this sounds like work. You want me to take your yoke upon you and learn from you, follow you. Can't I just chill on the couch and watch Netflix? What do you mean I have to take up this yoke? If you remember uh, back in week one of this series, we looked at Galatians chapter 6. And in Galatians chapter 6, Paul says to bear one another's burdens as each of you carry your own loads, right? Do you remember this? Bear one another's burdens, like the emotional toll, the emotional weight of suffering, as you bear as you as you carry your own load like your your backpack the things that you have that each of us are responsible for that that there's a line between things i'm concerned for and things i'm responsible for and when that line gets blurry then things go badly so we're supposed to carry our own loads but but here's the question is have you ever wondered what if what if i'm carrying the wrong load What if I'm carrying the wrong stuff in my backpack? And here's this amazing connection because the word that Paul uses in Galatians chapter 6. In the Greek, it's, it's uh, called fortion. It's where we get our word portion from. He says, each one of you carry, uh, bear one another's burdens as each of you carry your own fortion. And here when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you uh, because my yoke is easy and my fortion is light. It's the same thing. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, if you are carrying the wrong load, the wrong portion Lay it down and take my portion upon you. Have you ever wondered that maybe your backpack is full of things that you shouldn't be carrying? Maybe there's things that you're worried about. There's things that you're doing. There's things that that you have responsibility for that, that are just weighing you down. When I started here at Crossroads, my very first day, uh, some of you might know the story, I I went with a a group of 40 high schoolers and middle schoolers and college students backpacking for a 15-mile, three-day trip. It was a little bit baptism by fire because here I started, and right away we're going on this big, crazy uh, adventure in the woods. Before we left, we gathered all the leaders together, and we said, Hey, we're going to go through every kid's backpack, and we're going to pull out things that they don't need. Okay, and so it was just amazing the things that you find in these kids' backpacks. Like, uh, you open it up and it's like, okay, you don't need seven pairs of jeans. Let's leave some of those here. You don't need 10 pairs of socks. Let's leave nine of those here. You don't need an Xbox controller. Like, what are you doing with an Xbox controller? We leave that here, right? And so this pile started building up there at the North Glen campus of things that we left behind. Why? Because those things are things that were eventually going to just wear you down on the hike. Those things are things that you just didn't need You see, what's happening here is is we're, we're looking through our backpacks and we're saying, okay, what are those things that I'm carrying? In other words, those things in my backpack are the things that I'm really trusting in. So I brought my backpack today, and I put inside of it some things that I think that we trust in, that maybe we're not supposed to be carrying, but we have been, and, uh, and they're starting to weigh you down. All right, so the first thing that I brought is the stethoscope. Because for many of us right now, health is one of our major concerns, isn't it? We're worried about it. We're trusting in our own abilities to try to avoid getting sick or to try to stay healthy. But what we're realizing is that as good as our efforts are, that there's a little bit of control that we've lost this year, isn't there? What we're realizing is that no matter what you really try, that there's even a little bit of control that's no longer yours. And for many of us, this becomes this incredible weight for many of us, this becomes this incredible burden that, that we are carrying around, and it's starting to wear us out because we're consumed by it. I brought my slippers. I'm a, I'm a slippers person. Anybody here slippers people? Man, if I could wear slippers all day long, I, I would, but you would laugh at me, I think, if I wore them, although maybe I'll put them on. Um, I had to buy another pair of slippers because I've used through another pair because I was at home so much this year. Um, But but here's what these represent is these slippers represent uh, our comfort. You know, we love our comfort, don't we? We love it. We do whatever we can to, to make sure that life is going well. We, we do whatever we can to just make sure that there's no big waves or no big bumps in the road and that this year has certainly turned that all upside down and, and our comfort is out of line. Our comfort is, is upside down and we're not sure what to do about it. So we're carrying this around in our load because, because we want to fix it, but what we're realizing is that it's, it's just wearing us down. Whether that's comfort that you have of the political climate, whether whether you have more comfort right now after the election or less comfort right now after the election, it's wearing you down, isn't it? And you're carrying your slippers in your backpack. For some of us, we have the pressure to be the best dad or mom or wife or husband that we can be. Here's a picture that Renee gave me that says best dad a picture of me holding Jackson when he was a little baby. Now here's what here's what this represents is that maybe maybe the pressure that you've put on yourself to be the best is just starting to wear you down because to be the best mom or dad I can't show I can't show my weakness. I mean I have fears and I have questions and I have struggles and I have sin and, but, but none of those are congruent with being the best and maybe right now you're so concerned with with being the, the best you can be whether that's your own morality having it all together being unshakable really at the core of this it's believing that it's not okay to not be okay is that what you're carrying in your backpack And then the other thing I brought is, this looks like a lot of money, but it's just a few dollars spread out. But but maybe you're carrying your financial responsibilities in a way that's unhealthy. And here's what I mean is, you know, this year there's a lot of uncertainty. So for some of us, maybe we've lost jobs. For others of us, maybe we're on the verge of losing jobs. For some of us, we look at our bank accounts or our 401Ks and, and we start to worry and we start to th- fret about, oh man, what's going to happen when? Or, or what's going to happen if? Or, or next year, if things don't change, this might happen. And, and, and you're carrying this load of, of money, w- w- whatever your, your motivation is, and it's becoming this heavy burden that you're just not meant to carry. And there you are, struggling, struggling, because the burdens, the, the load that you have in your backpack is weighing you down. And, and here's the thing. These things aren't inherently bad. Notice none of the things I pulled out of the backpack are, are inherently bad or sinful. But, but here's the distinction. Is when they become the things that I trust in, they crush me. When, I, when they become the things that deep down inside, if I was honest, I trust in them, they turn on me and they crush me. You see, Jesus invites us not only to take his yoke upon us, but to actually exchange our load for his. He's drawing a healthy boundary a healthy boundary, and he's inviting us into a new way of of self-care. And he's saying all of those things, all of those things that you've put your faith in that have failed you, they were never meant to be trusted in. And that's one of the blessings of this time is because it's exposed many of those things that we really trust in. And now is the time now is the time to, to lay those things down and take up a new yoke what an incredible invitation of rest So what does this look like? what does this look like on a, on a real uh, level and so what we're going to do is is we're going to look at what are the boundary breaking ways that we engage in, in breaking boundaries around self-care we, we talked week one about, uh, the, the four main boundary-breaking ways. The, the, the compliance, the avoidance, the controllers, and the non-responsive. So I'm going to quickly go through how each of these types of boundary-breakers break the boundary of self-care. You see, the compliance, they can't say no. So what happens is their schedule fills up with other things, with things that are maybe good things, but because their schedule is completely full, they have zero margin They don't take care of themselves. They have no times of refreshment. They they even begin to neglect those who are closest to them. And deep down, a a compliant person maybe even feels like they don't deserve it. They don't deserve any times of refreshment. The second type of boundary breaker is the avoidant. The avoidant person um, is the person who who needs support but, but they do not allow others in. They, they, they need support, they're hurting, but they don't allow a, a certain level of vulnerability so that others around them in the body of Christ can come alongside them and bear those burdens and care for them. You see, during this time especially, uh, we've noticed how we're not created to be isolated, right? In fact, I've talked to so many people who are like, man, it's just so good to see human faces, if only I could get a hug. Like, we are not made to be isolated. For the avoidant, isolation, isolation isn't out of their control. The avoidant actually chooses isolation by not allowing other people in. The controller has an interesting, uh, an interesting dilemma with self-care. You see, controllers, uh, they know their need for self-care. They want self-care. They want times of rejuvenation and, and reflection and, and, and re-energizing, but, but they don't get it. And when they don't get it, they blame everybody else around them. He let me down, and so now I'm in a bad place. Or, or this friend didn't show up, so now I'm hurting and it's, and it's their fault. You see, the controller blames people and situations for their feeling of emptiness and burnout. And here's the, here's the million-dollar idea when it comes to boundaries in general, especially self-care, is that you are the only one who can draw those boundaries. And self-care especially, you are the only one that can take care of your self. Now, I don't mean that, that that's just going and getting a massage and, and an umbrella drink. What I mean is that, that, that it's up to us to say, okay, here's these boundaries, and God, I need you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to lay down my heavy burdens, and I'm going to take up yours. What does that look like? And then the fourth kind of boundary breaker are the non-responsives. The non-responsives are those who are numbed out to everyone else around them. And here's the thing, self-care can easily, for a non-responsive, self-care can become self-absorption. Because sometimes we can wrongly think self-care is about just paying attention to myself and nobody else. But actually, the opposite is often true. In fact, sometimes I'll be talking with people and, and, and they'll be so tired and so burned out and so hurting, and then a light will come on, like maybe I should go volunteer. Maybe I should serve somebody else. And they start doing it, and what happens, it's miraculous what happens. They they start getting outside of themselves and start seeing other people. They they stop being non-responsive to others and start engaging others, and what happens is, in turn, they begin to get rejuvenated and refreshed. So out of those four types of boundary breakers, when it comes to self-care, which one do you find yourself operating in. The compliant, the avoidant, the controller, or the non-responsive. Now some of you might be thinking, okay, yeah, this all sounds good, Chris, but, but I really want to know how we do that. I mean, taking up Jesus' yoke sounds fine, but, but what does that look like? How do I, how do, I do that? Well, what are some practical ways? And I'm glad you asked. We're going to get real practical. There's four simple, practical things that we can do today, and then we're gonna wrap up, okay? The first one is this, is that we simply pay attention to what's going on in here. We pay attention to it. We don't dismiss things that are uncomfortable emotions, or questions, or, or discontentments, or whatever it is, we pay attention to what's going on in here. If you remember, we, we talked about this in our series, Chronic, last year, that emotions are not good or bad. They're simply indicators pointing to something else, So when we pay attention to what's going on in here, those indicators say, hey, Chris, look over here, because there's a problem brewing, and, and it's, time to, it's time to start doing something about that, Pay attention to what's going on. Maybe for some of us, that's like the first step. And and, and a really, really great and practical baby step for you is just spend five minutes a day and reflect on your day. Reflect on what's going on. What, What did you feel? What did you experience throughout your day? Where did you see God working? What was frustrating to you? What was joyful to you? What was going on? And just simply learn to pay attention. The second one is this, is that we ask for help when we need it. Ask for help when we need it. When you feel stuck, when you feel alone, when you feel burned out, when you you are out of energy, before that, ask for help when you need it. Whether that's a pastor or a Stephen minister or one of our counselors or getting connected to a small group or sitting at coffee with a good trusted friend and and able to, to just share what's going on. Ask for help when you need it. The third thing is that you identify what's life-sucking in you. In other words, identify those things in your backpack that, that maybe you've been trusting in too much. And maybe it's one of those things, but, but maybe there's some other things like hurry. Is hurry life-sucking for you? We're going to talk more about hurry on Tuesday night at our, at our Tuesday night live conversation at 6 o'clock. But but maybe hurry is just draining for you. Maybe it's sinful habits, unconfessed sin that's in your life that you just need to get out. There's nothing more draining for any of us than having unconfessed sin in our lives. Maybe for some of us, it's unresolved conflict with a spouse or a coworker or or a friend or whatever, and you need to just go and have the conversation because that is so draining. So first, we pay attention to what's going on. Second, we ask for help when we need it. Third, we identify what's life-sucking. And finally, fourth, we do things that are life-giving. Intentionally. Do things that are life-giving. Let me ask you this. What is, what is something that you've done in the last 24 hours that was life-giving for you? And I'm not just talking about vegging out, right? I mean, oftentimes we're so tired, we just want to scroll through social media or or, or binge-watch something on online, but... Because, have you ever felt so tired and you do that and, and then a little while later you get up and you just feel worse? You just feel more tired. You just feel more drained. You're just a little bit more out of it. Identify what's life-giving for you. And here's the key. 24, 7, 12, 365. What does that mean? Do something that's life-giving daily, weekly, monthly, and Yearly. There's things that you can do yearly, like I can take Renee away for a weekend, once a year maybe, but if I try to do that every week, things are going to go badly, right? But there's things that I can do every day that I should be doing every day. And which one of these is the most important? The daily, the weekly, the monthly, or the yearly? It's the daily. The daily is the most important, but that's often the one that we neglect, Because we think what we do is we get into this pattern of, oh man, I have a vacation coming in three months, if I can only make it to there, right? And we just like struggle, 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 struggle through and then take a vacation for a week. And then we come back and it's like, okay, I got another vacation coming in six months. We struggle, struggle, struggle. Uh, When we do that, it's a lot like not brushing our teeth and then expecting the dentist cleaning every six months to fix it. You see, it's the daily things. What is something that you can do today? it's life-giving. What are those things for you? Going for a walk and enjoying the creation outside. Maybe spending some time in personal worship, just putting on a a worship song that you enjoy, and just sitting and listening, and allowing your heart to be turned back to God. Maybe maybe for some of you, it's it's having a good conversation with your spouse or a friend over a cup of coffee. What are those things that are life-giving for you? Maybe taking a nap, Maybe for some of us, it's actually spending time with Jesus. And I don't necessarily mean Bible study. Bible study's good. That's not what I mean. I don't mean coming to church. Coming to church is good. That's not what I mean. I don't mean being in a life group. Being in a life group's good, but that's not what I mean. But I mean actually just spending some time with him. Real quickly, it's sort of like when we, if I, if I, dated my wife the way that I spend time with Jesus here's what it would look like is I would sit down with Renee and I would say okay tell me more about yourself I want to learn more about you and I'm going to take notes and I'm going to highlight those things that are important and then when you're done telling me about you and I'm done learning more about you I'm going to pull out my list of things that I want you to do and I think Renee in that moment would be like wait what And I think sometimes Jesus is, when we just approach him like that, I think sometimes he's going, man, what the heck? Like, I just want to be with you. Don't you know that my burden is light? My my yoke is light? Like, I want to hear from your heart. I want to hear what's going on in your life. And I want to share with you things that are on my heart. And I want to share with you things that I that I want to do in your life, things that I want to bring about and birth in your life. Like, let's just spend some time together, even if that means going for a walk or playing a game or putting together a puzzle or whatever it is. Like, what would it look like to just spend some time with Jesus? And if you're listening today, and, and maybe that is a brand new concept for you, and this whole idea of taking up the burden, taking up the load, and laying yours down is a whole new concept for you. I just want to invite you to reach out. In fact, you can text the name Jesus to the number 720 513 and someone will get back in touch with you, and they'll answer questions, they'll pray with you, they'll talk with you about what that looks like. What does it look like for you to lay down your load and to take up his? and to experience rest for our souls. Would you pray with me? Jesus' invitation to us is this. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus, that is what we want. Teach us. Show us. Give us the courage to lay down the things that we should not be carrying and show us what that means today to take up your easy yoke and burden. And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.